So uh, in a moment, we'll be reading from uh, 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18. And uh, this story, as you'll hear in a minute, will continue the story about talking about Elijah. Um, prior to this reading, though, Elijah was finding roadblocks and challenges in his life. And it led to discouragement for him. King Ahab was after him, and so Elijah decided to take off a bit, and he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, he, in fact, Elijah, uh, rather, Elijah felt ashamed and guilty, and maybe even somewhat depressed, um, that in chapter 19, verse 4, and we're not going to be reading that, but in 19, verse 4, Elijah rested for a bit, and then he told the Lord, Lord, I've had enough. And he's, he said he was no better than his disobedient ancestors. He too was doing wrong. And he asked the Lord to even call him home and to take his life. But, but God is a God of life. He's not a God of death. So God came to Elijah and made his presence known to Elijah. And so the story continues this morning as we read from 1 Kings 9, 19 rather, uh, 9 through 18. And before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we come before you with our struggles and our challenges and our disappointments. And maybe shame and guilt. And sometimes, like Elijah, these things weigh heavy upon us. And yet you continue to reach out to us. And you continue to make your presence known to us. And may you do that again this morning. And may this morning we know your presence and that we don't take it for granted or ignore your presence. Bless the reading and the hearing of your word and may we apply it to our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out. And stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Moholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think it's true to say that we often tend to be people of drama. And it's often the big and the glamorous stories that will grab our attention. 
The news that makes the headlines are the action stories, stories of shootouts and hostage taking and stories of disasters, whether it be earthquakes or hurricanes or even wildfires. These are the loud and boisterous stories that get heard among the masses. Stories that create some negativity among society are what drives the media. Throughout the pandemic, I think many of us wondered what dramatic slant will the media take this week. And for those who think that the media dramatized the pandemic, they dramatize everything. It's nothing new because drama sells. The less exciting and the less dramatic stories tend to get lost among those publicized, drama-filled stories. The less dramatic stories tend to only be a whisper among the noisy drama of everyday news. The stories that receive the most attention are often the stories that then will create discouragement and negativity and sometimes fear. People dwell on the negative side of the stories, and then too often what happens is that they'll miss out on the small glimmers of hope in their lives. In our text this morning, we begin hearing the negative side of Elijah's story. And he shares this while he's on Mount Horeb. The passage is about a discouraged and what appears to be perhaps a burned out prophet. Elijah often had instructions from God on what to do and, and places where to go. And this time he decided to do his own thing. And so he took off to Mount Horeb. Now, this is not too bad a place to take off to because Mount Horeb was also known as the Mount of God. But after having traveled for 40 days and 40 nights, and then here he is on the mountain, God asks Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah had enough of his work. Elijah was quick to reply, oh Lord, I've been very zealous for the God Almighty. And this means that Elijah was, has been very enthusiastic. He's been very passionate, maybe even to the point of somewhat obsessive. Whereas Eugene Peterson's, the message paraphrases, I've been working my heart out. Elijah goes on to explain the drama that has unfolded. The people of Israel have abandoned God's covenant. They've destroyed the places of worship. They've murdered God's prophet. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. So it appears that Elijah is a bit on the negative side, not to mention perhaps somewhat of an exaggerator. I'm the only one left. There's an attempt on my life. And this drama and negativity happens when people get discouraged and challenges occur that are often beyond our control. And so Elijah felt he had to run. His life was in danger, it was. And he was being sought out, sought out after by Jezebel's hitmen, the, kind of the Jewish mafia. Elijah felt he was the only one doing the work of the Lord. After all, as he says, he's the only one left. He was completely alone. That's how he felt. And surrounded by evil forces. And these evil forces, they pursued him and compelled him to think that he was the only remnant remaining. So discouragement set in. Elijah knew actually that he wasn't the last prophet left because just before this in chapter 18, verse 13, we're told that the prophet Obadiah hid a hundred other prophets. But Elijah felt as though he were the only one left. 
So fear and discouragement made him only look at the dark side of things. And in his discouragement, Elijah forgot all the positive blessings that just happened earlier in his ministry. 1 Kings 18 as well. We can read the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel before all the prophets of Baal. And so Elijah prepared an altar of wood and he soaked it with water three times. And then he prayed to God. And the fire of God, at this time the fire of God, God was in the fire, came down and consumed the wood and the stones and even the soil. God revealed himself in this majestic fire. And then 450 prophets of Baal were killed. And yet here we have... Elijah, this man, this prophet of God, he's discouraged. And as people of God, if we're honest with ourselves, whether you're male or female, whatever age you are, young person, senior, we become discouraged at times. Christians can become discouraged and distressed. And, you know, depression will even set in the, to the lives of believers. But just because discouragement sets in, this doesn't mean it's failure or defeat. I mean, it may have felt like defeat for Elijah, but it wasn't. And maybe there's times that we too, we think we need to flee. And we need to kind of get away from it all. The workload and the hecticness, and they, they continue to pursue us, and then they drain us. And we just want to get rid of this discouragement. Let's be honest, uh, before COVID hit, just reflect on all the things that you may have been involved in. Participating in maybe local schools or food banks or other charities or organizations or helping out or running around in sports activities for our kids, participating in a church ministry or a committee, maybe council or outreach or worship or music or children's and youth programs or young adults or faith formation or finance or safe church or BOA. Holy, the list goes on. You know them because many of you are on them. Churches are generally known for their committees and their busyness. And then COVID hit. And then things shut down. And this was devastating. But how many people honestly stood back and maybe were able to catch our breath? Because COVID was a bit of a, initially a bit of a sabbatical. But then the lockdown, of course, became too much and then discouragement in itself set in. But whether we're too busy or whether we're not busy enough, whatever our role is, there's times of discouragement. There's times that we all feel alone. And there'll be times that we feel that there is no one else out there. I'm the only one left. And this discouragement is not only in ministry and church related, but what about our ministry in our, in our families as a mother or father or ministry through our employment? Or again, school is coming around the corner for many of the youth and young adults. Yeah, it's August already, folks. And it may not take you guys long as students to feel discouraged in your studies or even sports. And these things at times feel so hard. And then you just watch Netflix or YouTube and you see what, what's new with Dude Perfect. Now, that's cool stuff, though, for those who don't know. This week, Bert shared some cool stories with me. Um, he shared one of them as well with us this morning. And they are really cool stories of where God's at work and his people in his church. But I want to tell you what happened next. 
I got distracted. I got distracted with a negative and discouraging short comment or story. And it began to consume my conversation with him until I was reminded by Bert, hey, don't forget all the amazing things that God's doing. You see how easy it is to forget the blessings and the gifts and go to the negative. Well, just as God did with discouraged Elijah, God listens. And God calls out to us, what are you doing here? And our response is probably, God, I've been working my heart out. There's no fruit from my labor, no recognition. I'm discouraged. I think too often we seek out the more obvious or we get distracted with the drama or the negative things in our lives. And and by doing that, we then miss all those small, hidden gifts and blessings. Maybe you know the how the Chinese bamboo tree works. The Chinese bamboo tree absolutely does nothing in four years, at least so it seems. And then you can water and fertilize and continue to water and fertilize, and nothing out of the ordinary occurs in those four years. Then suddenly in the fifth year, this small tree shoots up 90 feet in 60 days. Now, you've got to ask yourself, were those first four years kind of, uh, of nothing, just wasted years? Um, no, it needs those first four years to become a thriving bamboo tree. Sometimes our ministry, sometimes our studies, sometimes our lives are like that bamboo tree. We work and we work and we seem like there's nothing that's going to result from it. And it's easy then to get discouraged, especially in those fruitless years. But what appears as fruitless are still very important. So no doubt, here we have it. Elijah thought he had some fruitless times. And as discouraged as Elijah was, God provided hope and encouragement. And God sought Elijah out. And God called to Elijah and asked him twice in this passage, what are you doing here? Now as if the almighty, all-knowing God would not have known the answer to that question. This was a question asked by God, not for the purpose of God needing to know, but rather for the purpose of Elijah needing to know that God is present. And perhaps for Elijah to ask himself this question and maybe seek out his own answer. God wanted to show Elijah that God was present. And so he told Elijah to stand on the mountain and the Lord's going to pass by. And these are the same words that God told a discouraged Moses while Moses led the complaining people of Israel through the wilderness. And you can read that in Exodus 33. God told Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So God made his power and his presence known to Elijah. God didn't lecture Elijah. He showed Elijah his majestic power, and he did that through nature. God showed the tearing wind. The ground-shaking earthquake. The roaring flame. And yet God didn't speak through these majestic elements. You see, God's presence does not always have to be in the miraculous, the spectacular, and the sensational. God doesn't only reveal himself through dramatic events and specific writings on the walls. These events reflected God's power and control over this world. 
but they were not his instruments of self-revelation at this time to Elijah. And so eventually God revealed himself to Elijah through a gentle whisper. The whisper of God. God can also be seen and heard. As we heard this morning through the children's message, a gentle breeze, a gentle whisper. And Elijah was taught to look for God there too. Look for God. Also in the less dramatic events. And through a spoken whisper, God tells Elijah to return back. He, he gives Elijah instructions to return back on the same route that he came to the mountain. And Elijah was given three assignments and he was probably thinking, oh no, I don't need more work. Today would have been not another committee. But he was told to anoint Hazael, king of the Arameans in Damascus, and anoint Jehu, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha as his successor. Out of grace, God is saying to Elijah, okay, Elijah, it's time to go back. Get back to it. You will endure. God will make sure of that. And the Lord provided him with resources to carry out his tasks. Again, God didn't lecture Elijah. He made his presence known and resources that were required. And when God uses us as a task to complete, he will provide us with all that is needed. And most important, he will provide us with his presence. Through God speaking to Elijah, God restates his covenant promises to Elijah in verse 18, where he said, I reserve... 7,000 in Israel. And these words are also quoted in uh, the New Testament passage in Romans 11, where Paul reminds the people that God has not forgotten his covenantal promises. He's not rejected his people. For out of grace, God provides a remnant. God reminds Elijah of his grace. He reminds Elijah that he's not alone. Elijah's not alone. He's not the only prophet. He's surrounded by a multitude of resources. He's surrounded by God and God's faithful promises. So sometimes things appear discouraging and negative, but there are glimmers of hope, even in times of discouragement. People of God, we should not miss out on these blessings and know that we are not alone in the work that we do. We're not alone in the in our circumstances of discouragement. I'm sure in times of our discouragement, it might be good to go somewhere to catch up with your thoughts, and maybe you have to ask yourself, where is your Mount Horeb? Where is your Mount of God? Sunday worship is one place that God meets us and that we can meet Him. It's a place in which we can be reminded of the hope and the assurance through our singing and through our prayers and the community and the fellowship of believers and through His Word. Listen to God's gentle whisper. Don't let your personal preferences or frustrations distract you from meeting God here. And it's good to listen for the whisper of God's voice. To be reminded that we are surrounded by the mighty but whispering God. And God continues to assure, his, assure us of his covenantal promises and his continued love for us. This morning we saw that again through public profession of faith of Stephanie and baptism of Bodhi. God is showing each of us, showing them and showing each of us His grace and giving us hope through these celebrations. 
And God provides us the means to carry on His work because God wants us to carry on His tasks. The tasks that we do, whether it's in church or at home or at work or school, our tasks are for Him and for His glory. And yeah, during these times of discouragement, continue to listen to God. And don't only look for God in the larger-than-life events, but listen for God in the gentle whisper. So perhaps maybe a mother or father has to find their encouragement in the fact that during one mealtime last week, there was three minutes of no complaining. Perhaps an employee has to find their encouragement of being blessed with work. It may not even be in the form of a raise in pay or, or recognition even. Perhaps as students, you will need to find encouragement in, in weekly gatherings of, of friends and fellow believers, even in the midst of where professors may even disagree or tell you that your worldview, your Christian worldview is wrong. But God provides whispers to his people. It may not be in overnight successes. It might be that two-hour meeting that occurs week after week where we hear God's whisper in the devotional that was just read for only three minutes, but we heard God. Because God will provide us whispers in our times of discouragement. Don't only look for God in the drama. You see, when God started the Jewish nation, he sent a baby, baby Isaac, to a senior couple, Abram and Sarah. When God delivered Israel from slavery, he sent another baby, Moses. God sent a teenager named David to kill a Philistine giant, Goliath. And when God wanted to save the world, he sent his son as a weak and helpless baby. Jesus Christ is the whisper in the New Testament. His birth was not as dramatic as the parting of the Red Sea or the Mount Carmel flames. Christ came into the world as a baby. His cry was not even heard in the streets of Bethlehem. His ministry didn't begin until decades later as a man walking the streets and the roads of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. These events were not wind, earthquake, and fire. These events were a gentle whisper, whisper among a discouraged nation. And this little baby... Is Jesus is now the hope of the nations. The good news of the gospel is found in what was perceived to be the weakness of a man on a cross. So the salvation story continues with a baby's birth to the power of the cross. So God wants us to recognize his grace. The Bible uses the phrase that God's grace overflows in abundance. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God's grace does overflow in abundance. And sometimes it will present itself in the form of a gentle whisper. And when our sin blinds us from seeing God's grace in our lives, when discouragement tends to bring out the negativity of the situation, then maybe it is time to go to our Mount Horeb and our Mount of God and listen for that gentle whisper. And God may ask you, what are you doing here? When he does, know that he is present with you through it all. God desires you to know his presence and to know the love and the hope and the assurance that he provides to his people. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that God has graced us with, God will provide all the resources that we need. And we're never alone. God is near. 
And God is good. And listen for his gentle whisper. Amen.